Boss man. What's going on? How are you? All right. <laughs> Had better weekends. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm keen to get into that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Renos, they will literally kill me. <laughs> well, do you want to start with your beer? Have you got a beer? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't bring a glass, though. That's good. Because it's probably best that I don't. So I've got here the uh, Alice Springs Brewing Company Centralian Ale. There you go. Nice. And uh, what have we got here? 4.2%. My sister is in Alice Springs at the moment. This is what my family's like. You know, when you're like, if you're like, if you do IT, you know, and all your family says, I'll come and fix my computer, <laughs> right? And that sort of shit. My family, um, they I asked to get let into breweries and get exclusive tours. <laughs> oh, that's totally fair. And so my sister, she she sent me a text earlier this evening and she said, can you get me a tour into the Alice Springs? I said, Do you know anyone from Alice Springs Brewery? I said, yeah, um, you know, Kyle's a client. And can he said, oh, she says, can you get me a tour? And I said, oh, I don't really like to encroach on my clients and stretch friendships and that sort of thing. You want to know something funny though? This is not the first time that it's happened in Alice Springs. Literally two, maybe three weeks ago, my brother was in Alice Springs. I'm like, <laughs> ask the same fucking thing. There you well, go. Thank, I think, thank you, family. I think you should have reached out and made it happen, Hendo. What's the point of being the boss if you can't treat the family? I very much like, I just, I don't know. I just, I think, you know, in this business, we get given a lot of free beer and um, and I'm very grateful for um, every single, um, you know, beer that's put in front of me. But I'm also mindful at the same time, you know, a lot of these places are running businesses and it's fucking hard. And the last yeah. thing you need is some sponger coming in over the top going, oh, you know, give us beer. And that's what I think. I just think it's, I don't think it's very nice or respectful. So I get... I get given a lot of free beer. People want me to try beers and all sorts of stuff. Every time I get it, I'm 100% super grateful for it. Yeah. And that's just, you know, um, how I am. And I try to reciprocate wherever possible. Um, if I get a beer, I'll give a beer if I can. And, yeah, that's kind of how it works. What do you do? Yeah, it is a weird thing. I, I always thought it was weird because I was, I was not from this industry, but it was kind of like when you started, everyone just wanted free beer. And I couldn't really understand, <laughs> understand why because – in every other job I've ever had, people have to pay for what you do. And this is the one right. job that I've had where it's really, really expensive to make what we make. Um, but it is. Yeah, for some reason, it's kind of expected that people get it for free. So I 100% agree. I think like tours and stuff are, are nice if people like doing them. Yeah. I never, ever ask for free beer. And I always, I always feel a little bit guilty. It's always nice and you have to be grateful, but I do feel... You know, I, I kind of like we, we ask people to send us beer as a bit of a joke, and I always accept it. But um, yeah, yes. I never expect people to give me free beer if I go to a beer. No, absolutely not. No, the same as the beer festivals as well. You know, you go to a beer festival, and um, you know, everyone wants you to try try their beer and all that sort of thing. And I'm like, oh, thank, thanks. You know, really grateful. And um, can I pay for it? <laughs> um, yeah, because festivals, especially, you know, there's no money in it in a beer there. You know, yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah. Now give us a review on the beer. What's it? What's it like? Ah, oh, so this is the uh, Alice Springs Centralian Ale. Um, uh, 
that's just a pretty much straight up drinking beer. There's a really nice sort of biscuity, bready, pumpernickel kind of note going on in this beer. Um, it's not particularly hoppy or fruity or juicy or anything like that. I'd probably say it's pretty much more malt-driven than it is hop-driven. It's got a very firm bitterness, though. Nice. I would probably have a couple of pints of that easily in a hot, hot Alice Springs summer day. Very good. I'll tell my sister to drink to pay for one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't ask for a tour. Well, yeah. I, don't, I don't have a beer. I've got water because <laughs> I am, I am going to get one. I'm working up to it. Yeah. What's going on? But I just, I got inspired by the, some of the people at work who were working out every day. And I went and bought myself a gym. And then I just, just. You bought a gym it. or a gym membership? No, like a gym for my garage, like a weight set thing. Oh, yeah, cool. Um, and I literally just did a workout just then and I'm ruined. And I just can't fathom the idea of having a beer because I just finished. Yeah. I can barely move my arms. And yeah. I'm kind of exhausted. I think you should harden up and get a beer. No, I will. I will. I just I'm gonna I'm gonna wait until I'm feeling not nauseous and then I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna get one. Is this um this is the last day of the mo, isn't it? Technically, but I'm going to keep it for a long time, I think. Are you? Know, is this, yeah, this is you now. 100%. <laughs> i got to grow it for long enough so these sideburns become legit. Like, there's still... There's a bit of a gap in the middle there, mate. There's a gap. Like, it's really thick down here. And here, it's not mm. so much a gap. It's just not as thick. So maybe I'll just go over it with yeah. a little reducing... Get a rate clippers or something. Work on that over the next couple of weeks and... Yeah. Come yeah, why not? Um. So we've got hopefully Ben from Bridge Road coming on. Yep. Because I, awesome. I, slid, I slid into his DMs during the week and after he put up the thing about the employee share scheme. And he was a little bit vague about it, but I'm pretty sure he said yes. Okay. <laughs> I gave him the link, so hopefully he'll come on in, in right. five or so minutes. Okay. Um, but you've got some news, don't you? You've got I had a really serious Renault fail this weekend. Very, very serious. Uh, yeah, so I was um, demolishing my bathroom with a few friends. With I actually had, actually had both Adam shells uh, there. I'll post a photo on the Facebook group. I got the photo with both Adam shells. Um, my mate Duncan and his partner uh, Anna, and we were and we were sort of demolishing the bathroom. So we had basically um, a jackhammer to get the tiles and the old bedding out of the, that, that makes the water go down the drain on the floor uh, out and also a smaller jackhammer to take tiles off the wall, right? Tiles go up to about my height. And um, I got stuck in with the jackhammer and a, and a tile shard fell off, um, hit my foot and severed an artery. <laughs> and... and it was very serious because, and I was very scared because literally blood was squirting out across the room. There's still blood splatter in the bathroom and all through the apartment. Um, I even got a little bit on the lexicon half oh, <laughs> so no. going out the door. Um, but I think it's wash and wear, so I think it's fine. Oh, um, so um, it was very scary because literally blood was squirting out of my ankle um i don't know what artery it was but it was the scary one because of the amount of blood that was coming out 
And I was like, I just I sort of walked out of the bathroom and I said, guys, shit, shit, this is this is really serious. I'm really seriously bleeding. Get something, let's get some pressure on it. And I'm looking at my mate Duncan and I sort of started, you know, if you've been in a car accident or something, you go into like a shock sort of thing. Mm. And that started to sort of overcome me because I was the, I was like, oh fuck, this is really bad. Um, and, and I said, this is triple O, mate. And he says, You sure? And I said, Yeah, yeah, let's 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 go. This is fucking serious. So we got onto triple O. And luckily, Anna had the pressure fucking full on to my foot um, mm. and managed to contain the bleeding uh, really, really well to the point by the time. So that's they don't send ambulances anymore when you dial triple O. And oh. um and so we end up getting a doing a, a um, FaceTime call with a clinician, a triple O clinician, and he sort of wanted to have a look at what bleeding was like. And by the time they took the thing off, bleeding was pretty well contained. It was still bleeding, but just not mm. squirting out anymore or anything like that. And uh, they said, "Look, you know, um, we, we won't. We're not going to send an ambulance. Just just take him into to the emergency room." So I went into the emergency room and got patched up. And it's only two stitches. But you wouldn't know it from the amount of blood that's on the bloody wall in, in the bathroom. And it was dumb. That shouldn't have happened. It was, we were all geared up on our upper bodies with PPE. We had, you know, glass, safety glasses, gloves, uh, dust masks, um, uh, and all that sort of stuff. But that day I was wearing shorts and sneakers. And had I been wearing my long pants and my steel caps, this would never have happened. So it was just mm. a stupid lack of PPE. Um, and the thing is about tiles, you know, like in the lead up to it, like, um, you know, like um, Adzi and 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 um, Duncan got nicked in the leg mm. and that little little blood spots. And I'm just like, oh, that's just comes to the game. When it happened to me, I thought, oh, that's what it was until I looked down and realised there's just squirting blood everywhere. And... Um, the thing is with tiles, you know, when you're breaking them up, you know that old saying, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a fucking duck. Well, tiles, they like they look like broken glass and they mm. sound like broken glass. And so here we were just throwing broken glass around the place. It was inevitable mm. that something like that wouldn't happen. And I f- the doctor sort of asked me when I got to the emergency room, she, was, she sort of checked in, she said, um, how do you feel? And I said, I'm oh, disappointed. <laughs> yeah. She's like, no, it's not what I meant. I went, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. How and big was the, so, the chunk of tile? I don't know. I was actually looking for it today. I went mm. and cleared out the uh, the bathroom today. I'm, I'm feeling great today. I, I went and did a brewery tour I saw you yesterday and yeah. uh, down the Gold Coast and um, and I was pretty limpy. Today I'm fine. It's great. So it's got two stitches and... They've due to come out next Monday, so, so yeah. No crutches. No, I actually hired crutches. They're sitting in my garage. That is. It was very scary. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of like I just yeah I don't want to myself or my friends to get seriously hurt from renovating a stupid apartment and that sort of thing. Um, and I'm pretty sure that this sort of thing happens a lot. Um, I bet p- people getting in- injured doing home renos. So mm. if you're doing home renos, be safe. Don't cut any corners. You've got to be pretty professional as you can about it. You know, I'm a bit of a nut for safety in the brewery, and to sort of have that happen 
because I didn't wear any PPE or have the right PPE on. It's really dumb. I feel dumb. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've you've got a lesson number two for our audience. It's got the lexicon mm. half as the color choice and wear safety boots. Wear boots, yeah. Boots and long pants. Don't no matter how hot it is. <clears throat> Yeah, that's how I am in the brewery, though. Always, I never wear shorts in the brewery. Never. Don't care how hot it gets. I just yeah, right. Don't wear. Don't always wear long pants in the brewery. Right. Our brewery gets very hot. <laughs> mm. They all get hot. Yeah. But yeah. one of the most common injuries that you'll see in a brewery is hot water or hot caustic going into a boot from mm. someone who's wearing um, wearing shorts. Yeah, true. Really common. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're okay. Mm. Um, I'm just Thanks, looking man. at my phone now. Uh, um, I'm, I've got you know the little dots when someone's messaging you. Yes, I've got that happening from Bridge Road. So I'm guessing it's either going to be good news or bad news. Oh, here we go. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think he's getting ready to go. That's sweet. How'd you go in the Indies, mate? Um. Uh, we we did we did okay. We, I think we got I think we got twenty four medals. Twenty um, four total. We had we, we we sent quite a bit of beer in there. I think we had um, I, I can't actually remember how many goals. We, we, I remember how many goals. We had three goals and we got um, a, a lot of silvers and a lot of um, bronzes. God, um, your entry fee into the competition must have been phenomenal. Yeah, we sent a few beers in. We uh, we're actually not super happy with the results. I think I think um, we, we sat down yesterday and went through all the beers, and I think actually the the judging and the feedback was pretty much on the money. Um, yep. But like, like some of the beer wasn't that fresh by the time it got judged. Yeah. Um, and there was that one month delay, and yeah, and and I think our like our I just think we could have probably done a little bit better, and we sort of knew that going into it. We're going through a really challenging growth phase we've got lots lots and lots going on so we, we kind of that's a but that's a lot of beers to enter how do you expect all of those beers let's say you entered 30 beers no 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 how, we didn't have 30 beers no i think i think, think we we because we entered draft and pack i should bring it up actually i think we only entered about nine beers. if you got 24 medals it means you've entered 24 beers that's a good how, how do you expect all 24 of those to be fresh I know you got five fucking better, brew houses. I better bloody, but... um, I better fact check this because maybe it wasn't 24. No, 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 no let, me, let me have a look. Ian posted something in announcements. Um, where is it? Three gold, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven silver. Yeah, there's a shitload of bronze. Yeah, we, we did, we did enter quite a few beers. Yeah, right. um, I think we, we entered a lot of sort of weirder ones, some weirder random ones. Like we entered Ichiban, which is a beer that Toshi brewed, which is like a yuzu goza. Um, it's a really interesting beer that we all really liked. It got gold. It got gold. Beer, yeah, good. Yeah. Beers like that um, are cool, but it, it kind of doesn't, like we prefer for, our, I prefer for the core range to be getting gold medals. Um, but the core range one sort of mostly got silvers. Mm. But yeah, I think it was all right. I, I think it was about right for us. So it, it wasn't our best effort. I feel like but... I, got a, I got a couple of I got a couple of medals. Yeah, you got you got a gold medal. I got a gold medal. Yeah, for um, the uh, New Zealand Pilsner out of um, Brownstone down in Melbourne. 
Um, and also a couple of silvers and bronzes. We entered, I think we entered seven beers, got seven medals. Yeah, nice. But amazing. when you say um, you entered seven, do you, did you pack in keg? Ke- that, beer, that brewery only kegs. So okay, seven so, different beers. So that's that's kind of like if we enter one beer, we'll enter keg and pack. So you kind of yeah, double okay. the amount of entrance. Yeah. No, I was really happy about that. Matt, um, Matt who's he's just, um, he's, uh, the, like I, that brewery I train you know mentor brewers there is like through an internship program they sort of come in with no experience go do a year internship there um and then go and go out into the big wide brewing world and i've been doing that since 2013 and um um yeah it's good matt's done great he got a gold medal for the ipa as well at the aiba so he's he's matt has been the most successful brewer that cycled through there um Probably with the exception of Chris Chris Dobagala, who won the trophy, the IBA trophy for the Gary Shepherd uh, in 2016, 2017, I think it was. Oh, 2016. Gary, is that was. the consistency one? No, that's no. the uh, best new exhibitor. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so nice. he got a gold medal and won won that. Um, you know, so um, that was amazing. Um, so that's I've really got, good. I've got, so the, I've got um, Ben. I've got Ben on. Now, yeah, let's. You want to so chat to him? Why don't we come back to the Indies at the end of um the conversation with Ben? Because mm. I've got the list of in- winners here. There's a lot of lot, lot of good efforts from people. Um, let's see how this goes. I should, get the, I should get a beer now. I, I'm feeling like I could probably drink a beer now. Yeah. <laughs> there he is. How are you? How are you, Ben? Good guys. How are you? How are you doing? Hey, awesome. How are you? Well, thanks. Where are you sitting, mate? Just out on the out on the deck. That's nice. Got to put some some hops in the uh, in the show. Oh, that oh, looks awesome. Cool. That's amazing. What are you growing? Hops are you growing there, mate? Ah, uh, they're EKG. Just some old dude um, gave them to me years ago. They grow like massive. That is cool. Um, Wait, is this at your house or? Yeah, it's just at the house. That's so cool. They're huge. They are huge. Yeah, they grow. They um, they grow really quickly, which is good. They sort of give us shade. It gets really hot in the summer, so it gives us heaps of shade for the summer, and then they die off when it cools off. And um, <laughs> or we cut them down in March when we don't. Are they hops you can actually use? Yeah, you can, but um, we need a shit ton of hops. So yeah. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Do you have a beer, Ben? I didn't. I didn't warn you that we normally. Yeah, have I, a beer. I just got. I just having a night off the booze. I've had um, a oh. weekend away and chef over for dinner last night, so I've got a free time. To... How's that going, guys, mate? Didn't you guys get a gold medal for that beer? Yeah, just recently at the Indies. Yeah, it's going really oh. well. It's certainly no oh. um, no heaps normal value today at fifty-eight million smackaroos. Um, yeah, but uh, it's doing really well. It performs everywhere we, um, where wherever we sell it, people reorder and order in big quantities. So. I judged what? a few um, non-NA beers at, at the Indies. They were, there were some sensational ones. Well, this was just, well, this wasn't even a non ca- category, was it? It was just in the pale ale category. No, nah, they got put. They put it in specialized beers. They just put like um, the AIBAs have non-alc. Um, and then the Indies had well the the trophy side of things went into it was in specialty beer it said so it was alongside you know for the trophy it was alongside 
20 other gold medal beers. But for um, the but go- that- to get gold, <laughs> like when people, the judges tasted it, they know it's not alcohol. Yeah, they would be judging as an alcohol-free beer. Yeah, 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 yeah. It looks bloody good. I haven't had one. I've heard it's the best one you can get. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, you'll have to. There's some good ones out there, though. Some other good ones. You, what, you what were doing some. Um, yeah. Two questions at once. Yeah. <laughs> well, you just said something about heaps normal before, fifty-eight million dollars or something. Yeah, there, there was an article in the Financial Review today. They just raised eight and a half mil for a or through through. Um, an equity raise just privately um, for a, a, a inner city, inner Sydney tap room and production brewery. Um, and then the line below said the company's now valued at 58 million. Whoa. It's normal. It's like, wow. wow. That's huge. Like the market's huge for that beer. And that's that's the market leader as far as I can tell. Who are these know. guys? Do, do, do you know them? I don't know them. I've read about them. I might have met them at some stage. Brick Lane's doing their beer, their non-alc. But Brick Lane's pretty much doing the majority of non-alc in Australia. I think Brick Lane, Holgate, ourselves. I'm not sure who else is. I mean, there's a few. Um, uh, Hop Nation released one. Little Black Bang have done one. I think Big Shed maybe in Adelaide. Brewdog have got a couple of yep. them. I don't know if they're making them in Brisbane. I assume they are. I think I saw something that they were. They just got uh, some funding. I think they got funding. Did Brewdog get funding, or they just put money? No, they didn't get funding. They just it, yeah for a pasteurizer. So oh. I assume that'll be to allow them to do their non-elk in Brisbane. That's my yeah. guess. Yeah. Are you, you doing your own or are you? Because I'm feeling left out. Yeah, no sweat, mate. Are you doing you, you producing your own non-elk beer or you're outsourcing yeah. that? Yeah, no, always. Everything Bridge Road is made at Bridge Road. So. Yeah, yeah. Because I because there was like a few years ago you were doing like hopped soft drinks or something yeah, like a, that yeah we've got a lemon lime and hop bitters yeah and then we've got a um we, we haven't done it for years hop hopped cola as well yeah did you find that some of your experience in creating those non-alcoholic hopped beers helped you to create your na beer no nah, they're really really different like uh. the NA beer is, you know, there's some fermentation. I remember talk, I talked to you about it before we did it. Um, uh. We had a discussion somewhere. Yeah, we yeah. Probably ARBA judging or something like that. Yeah, yeah that's um, that's cool, man. And so it's flying off the shelves, yeah? Yeah, it sells really well. Mm. That's cool, right. man. I don't know what I missed, but I've got a beer now, so I'm not feeling as left out. What, what did you get, mate? Just the East Coast haze. I don't have actually much in the fridge at the moment. Mm. Yeah, it's always like that here. Mm. I actually had I've had site um, site project beers for I reckon a year in my fridge. The blonde and the red from um, Hop Nation, and I had them last night. They're really good. Their red beers are so red. Um, yeah. Yours too, Dan. Obviously a red beer, but um, yeah, the bars. I assume it's a similar base, but it was like. And because it's done in the food, it's a bit of oxidation, which helps the red, I think, rather than going brown, it seems. True. It's like the red light behind Hendo. I was drinking <laughs> It's like glowing red. Yeah. I, they took us on a bit of a tour of their facility there a couple of years ago. And we, were, we were like, holy shit, how does this beer taste this good? It was. Have you been in there? Like to the, yeah, like well, the, now they, they, they've got the Mornington peninsula brewery site now for their production is that right that's right yep. yeah but yeah. The, where they were doing all the sour beers i don't know if they still are it was around the corner from their original site and it was in a warehouse 
that was used to make like ground up fish. And it, like this whole warehouse was like this big cold room that they just rented like a portion of. It completely stunk of like fish scraps and had all these <laughs> barrels in the back of all this beer that was just tasting amazing. The fooders weren't in there, but all the barrels were in there. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Mm. Nothing like a bit of your umami. Yeah. In your beer. Secret mm. sauce. Yeah. <laughs> well, we want to chat to you about this employee share scheme thing. And I, I, I don't know how much you're happy to share, but you, you put it on Instagram this week that you guys are, are implementing that. Yeah, we, we sort of made the official announcement to our team on Tuesday night. We had a staff training night and just a bit of a close the the um, the the brewery and the bar and everything and had a bit of a staff night after training and then made the announcement. That the staff, most staff knew that it's been a work in progress for a long time, so I've been keeping them updated, but we've sort of finally had a package we were ready to share with them um, and announce the rollout and the schedule of everything like that. Um, yeah, and after we did that, we we sort of made the public announcement about it as well. How does how does that how does it work? The employee share scheme. Yeah. Um, so basically, we've uh, we're issuing uh, normal shares in the in the company to employees. Um, we we basically the the, the rules around um, those shares and how they can be traded and how we issue them are all up to uh, myself and Maria so we can sort of control them in any way we want. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the idea behind it is to, you know, to give back to the, to the team that work for us and also drive the right kind of culture within the business to make sure everyone feels like an owner of the business and, and makes decisions based on that as their number one priority. Um, and the mechanism we had to kick it off was to, to basically, we wanted to, make those shares available to people who'd done not long service, but longer than just uh, a year. So anyone that's worked 24 months um, for Bridge Road Brewers before um, or by June 30 last year um, mm-hmm. would would be eligible for a $5,000 gift. So mm-hmm. a share of, uh, 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 so a gift of $5,000 worth of shares mm-hmm. Um as well as a, a cash bonus to allow them to. Um, sorry, I think I've got a kid coming uh, <laughs> at home with the kids, and something happens. So just one moment. Sounds like you, Dan. What if they're throwing? They're not throwing up. I just. Oh no, I don't have my kids here. But I just went out to my dog, and he was eating my shirt, and he ripped the collar off the back of my shirt. He goes through yeah. the dirty clothes and gets socks and shirts and stuff. No wonder, like your dog likes humping everything if it rolls around the dirty clothes all the time. Well then. All them pheromones going on. He just likes socks. I don't know if every dog is like that, but he definitely likes that mm. for whatever reason. And I just heard my my car beep, so I don't know if someone's trying to steal my car or if someone else has got the same sort of beep. But the Volvo. See how we go. No, the the Chinese LDV van. Oh, is yeah. that your daily driver? It is. Yeah, and if you're considering buying one, then then probably don't. I've heard um, some very mixed reviews about those uh, those Chinese vans. Yeah, well, mine's they're cheap mine's as shit. Though. They are cheap as shit. It's got my, my something like twenty seven grand brand new, and it's got everything. It's like a spaceship, seven seater, um, but it's just a dud. It's a dud car. But How's we've got it a dud. Oh, just everything's wrong with it. Nothing works on it. It's a piece of junk. Um, but we've got LDB vans that we use for delivery. We've got about five of them, and they've all been pretty good. 
And they're the ones that actually do all the work. Like mine just kind of drives me around. Our, our vans are driving a ton and a half of beer around five days a week. And they've actually held up all right. There you go. Hmm. Did you, do you, um, when you're at Stone and Wood, because they had the employee share scheme. That's right. Yes. Um, my understanding of the way their one worked was staff effectively got a loan from the company to buy. That is correct. Shares. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Um, the, we just got a Christmas tree tonight. So um, the, the youngest is struggling to, to comprehend getting to sleep with a Christmas tree outside. <laughs> well, it's only uh, like twenty some twenty five days until Santa comes, mate. So that's yeah. important. Yeah, on to it. I might have to go again if he comes out. But yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> no worries. Um, I was just saying, just saying to Hendo. I, um, the, I, my understanding of the way the Stone and Wood one worked is you didn't just get given shares; you got given kind of a loan to buy yeah. shares in the company. Yeah, yeah that's I, right. I didn't hear the full mechanism of that, and you you sort of had that loan. Um, and I don't know how that value worked, but you sort of paid it back over time. Um, Jamie did explain it to me when I was first. Yeah. No, it, they, it was they, a bit how, too complex how, for me. How it worked, right, was um, uh, after 12 months of being a permanent there, um, you were – and so what they would do is once a year they would get an independent valuer to value the business. Yep. Um, and then um, – after your first year and every subsequent year after that, you were loaned $10,000 to buy at that market value, usually happen in sort of February of every year and that sort of thing. Um, and it was an interest-free loan. And so, and then when you got to your fifth year, um, you were given an additional $50,000 loan, right? So... Um, you couldn't sell your shares or anything like that. You either opted in or just didn't work part of it. Um, and then if you left the business, you were forced to sell your shares back to the business. The loan was repaid and you kept the difference. Yeah. So how, how was that? You got the loan, but how did you pay down that loan? That's a bit I didn't understand because you didn't actually get 10000 in value. You had the opportunity to pay that loan off and buy no. the shares. No, not to, not to my understanding. It was just like it's just a, a loan held in perpetuity. So you're not paying the principal or the interest on the right no. loan. You're just getting no. Loan. That's right. It was basically so. Basically, how it worked was that uh, your contribution to the business gave you the benefit of the increase in the share price, which you, if you stayed, that's your nest egg building over time, and that's what the founders, the three founders, wanted. They wanted their staff to stay for a long period of time, yeah. build a nest egg for themselves, and have a nice happy retirement. But if you left, then you had to sell your shares back. You got the dip. You got the. You got your, your loan was repaid. You got the profit, um, and that was uh, that was basically um, your thanks oh, for so making you, did, you didn't get the ten thousand. If you left the next day, you didn't get ten thousand dollars. You got the increase in value of that share. Yeah. Correct on the yes. next year if it increased okay correct but then are you yeah. also yeah, so taking the risk on there like well, like what if the what if the business goes out of business or what if the share price goes well, down i, I mean, guess I, I guess if it's a bonus on top of your salary and not negotiating your salary there's there's no risk it's just a it was the same for everybody in the business everybody got the same ten thousand dollars didn't matter what job you did didn't matter what your salary was mm. that was what you got um and so it was very pretty pretty equitable in that 
in that sense. Um, youth, you know, when I, I was privy to some of the meetings there, you know, the, the, the business, you know, was valued in 2011, 2012 or something like for, you know, two or three dollars. And when I was there, it was like $18 a share. Who knows what it was when it ultimately sold. But I think what the way they but, value them for, for, for those purposes is much lower than the actual value. Like the because I talked to someone sure. about setting up a scheme like that and they kind of have a valuation for the purpose of the employee share scheme that bears no resemblance to the actual valuation of the business. Yeah, I'm sure there was a method in which they independently valued the business every year. Um, but the assumption and what, Hendo, what was the outcome if the when the business did sold and you held... so. I understand. So if you got $10,000 worth of shares and you left the next year and that share value had increased to $11,000, you got a $1,000 bonus. Correct. Um, yeah. What was the outcome if the company sold? Presumably you would get the full $11,000, not just the $1,000 increase. No, you still had a loan that needed to be repaid. You would still, you'd have to pay the 10 back, but you'd get a much okay. more than $1,000 because you would get the actual valuation, not the accountant's valuation. Mm. Yes. I assume. So I think that yeah. there would have been people that whether, you know, if, if they started but working. You, that $10,000 isn't just dollars. It's a, it's a number of shares. And then hmm. the sale price of those number of shares, if it was a hundred thousand dollars, then you get to keep 90, for example. Uh, no, no, it was actually dollars. Oh, it Actually, wasn't shares, yeah. it was dollars. No, it was, it was, no matter who you were, what, what you did in the business, um, it was $10,000 per year and then $50,000 on year five. Okay. But it would have been, it would have been $10,000 value worth of shares. So like if, if one. No, I think share, Hendo is saying it's dollars, not value of shares. Correct. Yeah. $10,000 and you use that money to buy the appropriate number of $10,000 worth of shares at that current price. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. So you did, you do hold the shares. Yeah. Yeah. So you hold so the then shares, the mechanism you, you, would be... you pay back the 10 grand, but you get, yes. you, you get, say, say, you know, they valued, valued the company at $1,000 a share. You get 10 of them. But mm. then if you're there for 10 years and they actually sell the business and it sells for a much bigger multiple than the accountants value to that, mm. then you okay, might, John I mean, I'm guessing you're doing quite well. There were a lot of, uh, a lot of the, the, the crew that had been there for multiple years uh, walked away being millionaires easily after that deal. Some of those, you know, some of the people have been there for seven or eight, you know, odd years and that sort of thing. And they were, they were getting $10,000 worth of shares at $2.50 a share. Mm. Um, you know, by the time I was there in sort of 2017, it was $17, $18 a share. Um, go so you think about the value of those, it's, it's pretty amazing. There's a real big plug there for Bridge Road. There is. We've got to, we've got to, it's amazing. I'll go right there. Do you know what um, I miss about being in Queensland, Ben? I miss about things. not. What's that, mate? Most things. <laughs> no, pints of beachy pale, mate. Oh, <laughs> well, they, you can find it in Queensland in some places. Yeah, on tap though. Yeah. 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 I can hit up. Oh, sorry. Trying to get the Christmas. Look at that Christmas. That's Christmas today. Nice. That's today's effort. Solid. Nice work, mate. I got uh, popcorn delivered by an elf. Wow. <laughs> you, you got everything. So with so with your and just you can tell me if I'm asking a question you don't want to answer. Um, but um, well, you obviously you obviously definitely didn't want to answer that one. He left. No, he's back. He's back. Um, so do do you guys own all of the business currently? Is is that 
Apart from the uh, the roughly five percent we just uh, gave away, yes. Right. So yeah. that's that was my question. So so you're giving away your own shares. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the the difference with um, our mechanism is there's no loan. Um, we're gifting five thousand dollars worth of shares, um, and plus some cash bonus to um, to allow people to pay for the tax implication of that. So um, we just sort of picked a number in the middle because obviously people are earning different um, salaries and, um, and, you know, some people have some pressures. If we, if we give them $5,000 in shares, that gets added to their tax return because it's added as income, even if they don't get income. And we could be giving someone a $1,500 tax bill for, for, as a gift um, yes. that they have to find $1,500 at tax return time. So, um, so we made sure we covered that that part off, um, and and just like uh, Hendo was talking about with um, with evaluation, we we have an independent um, value with the business, and that's reviewed annually. It's based a lot of around profitability, um, and then people's shares will be adjusted accordingly. And just like with Stone and Wood, um, was if you were to to leave the business, um, we would buy the shares back. At, the, at that value or at the previous Finney's value. Um, and, me, and then, um, then that would be the end of it. They couldn't sell them to anyone else. They'd have to sell them back to the company or we could approve them for them to be sold internally to other staff members if we saw that. Mm -hmm. Right. So what was, your, um, what was your motivation for setting up a, a, an employee share program? Um, I think a big part of it was just about talking about the the driving the right culture within the business and making sure we were living the culture. And then, you know, it's a small business that's grown up over time. So most of the people that, that work there, it's, it's slowly getting bigger. I think we've got 40 something employees now, but most of those people are, are friends, um, personal friends, and they're working hard within the business and they don't have any equity in the business. So it's a way of, I guess, recognizing the, the efforts that they put in and, um, you know, given the opportunity to have ownership and, and be part of the business's success, I guess, it, you know, it kind of makes sense. I think otherwise you sort of run the risk of, you know, having talented people who might want to do something for themselves and you, you, you risk losing some really good staff, I, I guess, and trying to give them the opportunity to, to have that ownership and responsibility and all those things that go with owning a business reward as well in terms of, um, of, increased share value. We also um, have the opportunity that those normal shareholders can get paid dividends when we decide business is going to um, award dividends. Um, me as a shareholder, would, would uh, I'd access dividends, but so would anyone else who owns shares as well. So there's not just that you get a, a nest egg when you cash out. There's some ongoing reward for, for performance from the company perspective. And, and, and our the um, staff, if, if, for example, a dividend is paid, are they able to roll those dividends into more shares in the business? Uh, we'd, we'd sort of decide that as we go along. So um, we, we want to see that it's driving the behaviours we want. So the reason, you know, I talked about the reasons we did it. So we, we want to take some time and see how that plays out. Um, if it's too insignificant for people, if it's not driving enough of the behaviour or... Um, or if it is doing really well, we'll just sort of find the right balance. We definitely, we have a structure that allows people to invest their, any bonus pool they might have. So, um, you know, if they have a KPI bonus pool, 
Um, the so there's an opportunity for anyone who uh, has has a bonus structure in their salary with uh, you know KPIs to be met that they can invest up to fifty percent of that bonus back into shares. That's oh, standing cool. offer at the moment. Um, mm. And then we'll monitor. You know, we have some targets around increasing um, employee share ownership in the business, and we'll see how that's tracking. Because obviously, we'll have people take it up, we'll have people leave, and we'll have more and more um, staff members hitting that two-year anniversary, that twenty-four month anniversary. So we just need to. We've modelled it out, but it's really it could go anyway. So we just can watch how that happens and then decide from there. Yeah. Bend that dividend what- back in or. Did you, ha- did you uh, just back on the point about uh, sort of why you did it, did you have staff kind of asking about this or did you, I, know, I mean, I know you're not the first brewer to do it, so did you just kind of look at other breweries and think that that's kind of what how they'd achieve their culture type thing or did you have staff that were saying, I want shares? No, I don't think so. Maybe we had some management staff looking to, to buy into the company, I guess, but not, I wouldn't say it was something that, that was, you know, ever much of a conversation. You know, there was mm. worse management staff that showed interest in wanting to invest in the business. Um, but yeah, I, I I honestly can say it's through, you know, working on the, that culture front and seeing, you know, when you have a good culture, that's when when any business I think thrives, and and that just seemed to be the the most you know, in line with our culture, it seemed to be the, the way to, to go forward with backing up what we say our culture is and, you know, being true to our employees. And I think also, you know, the way we, we put ourselves out there as a business as well, it backs up, you know, our values as a business. You got boneheaded yeah. by the boy. <laughs> hey, what sort of... Um... What sort of, you know, you mentioned culture a lot and that sort of thing. Um, are you able to share sort of, you know, what sort of specific cultural outcomes you're trying to achieve or are you just willing to just let it evolve and become its own thing? Yeah, we, we have we have like documented uh, culture policy at the brewery that we've probably revamped a little bit in the last few years. But um, we when we, we set about... Um, I guess not restructuring, but structuring the business about between five and 10 years ago. And we brought a um, CEO on to assist in Mm. sort of a lot of the business was reliant on myself um, or my wife, Maria. And we wanted to structure Mm. the business a little bit differently and have people take on responsibility. Did you say a a CEO or a CEO? CEO. Right. Um, And the first thing he wanted to do was document our culture um, because, you know, it seemed we had um, some consultants come in to to learn about a culture and they said, well, actually, you have a great culture here. And and we just wanted to document that. So we had some reference points. You know, at the time, I didn't I wouldn't have known what business culture was. We just worked and, you know, did what we did. Mm. And that was our culture. But it's nothing that we ever discussed. We just, you know knew what was the right thing to do and, and went about it and did what we thought was the right thing. Um, but, yeah, we have we have a culture document. We have it up around the brewery in the workplace. Um, sure, it's only a bit of paper, but it gives us a reference point. Um, when we induct staff, we talk about culture, um, talk about the history of the business and how it came to be. Um, we put a lot of emph- emphasis on, on quality, um, you know, that we – and that can go, you know, quality and service for front of house or quality in the product we make. Um, and that our decisions are driven through that um, rather than 
don't know, sure there's financial drivers as part of decision-making, but quality comes first in any of those decisions. Um, we talk about family and independence. Um, and then uh, we sort of have a bit in there that that's sort of like um, keeping it real in terms of craft. Like it's hard, it's hard to quantify, but doing things that make sense from a from our own craft perspective rather than, than jumping at trends or making things that, that aren't products we really believe in and get behind ourselves, even though it might be a, uh, a high fast selling category or something that, you know, is seen as, you know, there's a, a big business opportunity to do this. Does that really line up with what we think Bridge Road is? And, you know, does that have what we see as um, the essence of craft brewing at, at its heart to make sure we're making decisions that, that are driven by that? rather than pure business decisions. Uh, sure, we, we all go to work to make money and have successful businesses, but, um, but for us, uh, I guess, you know, making sure we, we stay true to that, that craft side of things is really important. Mm. Yeah. Um, I've I, I got some questions about that too, but I, just back on the, this share scheme. So can, can staff members sell their shares at any time? Did you mention that like potentially to other staff or...? No, it's more about um, the, the strategy we've got at the moment is um, you retain those shares and they increase in value, hopefully, because the business is performing well. Yeah. You, you can get dividends. And then um, when you do exit the business, there's an option there that you the business would have first option to buy them back, but we would also approve or have the ability to approve or deny you selling them on to another staff member. Right. But I don't envisage, um, you know, I don't think we'd want to see um, staff trading them amongst themselves. I don't, no. I don't think I just, that the, the reason I ask, ask that is um, I don't know if I'm thinking about this backwards, but any time I, I sort of thought about the stone and wood one, it seemed like, like in a way it incentivizes people to stay because the value of the shares is going up. But in another way, it incentivizes people to leave because when they leave, they get a big payout. Yeah, so I guess that's that's there. The the big danger that I see is, um, you know, if people see their their nest eggs grown and they see, um, they feel that they can see the future doesn't look so bright. Um, it might be a good opportunity to leave the business and take that big uh, mm. that big payout before the value drops away. Mm. We do have some measures in place around that. Um, you know, if someone's participating in a financial year. Um, that their share value will be at the end of the financial year in which they participated in. Um, so, you know, that, that if the share value is going to drop off and they're leaving because of that, you would hope that that would never be the case, um, that they would leave with that value rather than the, the booming year that was previous to that. Right. Mm. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, um, oh, you had another question, Hendo? No, no, you're far away, man. Um, so with with the five percent you mentioned, am I correct in the way this works? Is you kind of you kind of go from one hundred percent to ninety five percent, and that five percent kind of goes into a pool, and then you just decide, you know, to put some policies in the place for distributing those as you see fit. So you're not getting rid of the five percent instantly. You've just got a pool there that you can draw on with your policies and rules, and then. If you ever run out of five percent, you can bump it up to six or seven percent or whatnot. Yeah, so so it will be pretty much close to five percent from from when this 
rolls out. Um, right. the, share, the shares get issued in January or something like that for the people who it's optional, obviously. You don't have to take them. Um, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't, but it's an op- you know, people need to sign up to be part of it. Yeah. Um, but the aim is to grow that that five percent. Um, sure, we could we can bring it up and down um, in the way that we you know we have the total control over that. Um, but the, there's not just a five percent pool. So we already have plans in place to grow that five percent next year because we it's going to be around about five percent now. So that means next year we'll have other staff members coming up to their two year anniversary. So they will be gifted 5,000, not from the 5% on top of that. Um, and there's another sort of a bonus structure in place for staff. I mentioned before, some staff have the opportunity to use their bonus to buy into the, to the share scheme. Um, those who don't have that structure in, in their work contract will be gifted $1,000 in shares annually. So they'll get a $1,000 bonus, which is valued in company shares going forward. So it gives them, you know, an increasing value year on year, a little bit what. Uh, like what Hendo was talking about before, um, but it gives them the opportunity because other staff will be given that opportunity through performance. Um, they'll get it more through longevity. Okay, so, so I, like getting, you, I like how you I like how you gifted the shares instead of like being loaned money to buy the shares. Yeah, I guess there's there's lots of ways. You know, we could have looked at it, and it was it was quite a hard process to look at other models and just try something that we were comfortable with and something that, that we think fits. Yeah. And you're happy, happy to give up that amount of equity just because you think the kind of either the staff deserve it or you think it'll be better, you know, for the brand and the oh, culture? I mean, there's, there's heaps of ways to look at it. You know, the staff do deserve it. Um, you know, hopefully it drives the right culture. Look, if it, if it works out, I'll be better off for it as well if you want to drill down to, you know, I don't think, you know, it's like, oh, if you if you invest in some new equipment, um, do you feel like that's a good idea? And you're like, yeah, of course, because we can make more beer. And if we make more beer, we're more profitable. I don't yeah. see this any different to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I what think do you think about, we'll, yeah, sorry, mate, you go. Oh, well, one thing I was going to say is one of the things we've struggled with is I've, I've had some chats to some consultants about helping with this kind of thing before and... But we don't we don't own 100 of the business. We're not even close. Between the three of us, I think we're only just over 50. Yeah. Um, so for us to give up equity, we would have to be going back to all investors, and we, and we can do it because we have control of the company. But we're essentially going back to all of our investors and saying we're going to dilute all of your holdings by obviously by a minuscule amount. Yeah. We're, we're going to take money from investors, equity from investors, and pass them on to staff. So it's I mean, I'm, I'm sure we could do it, but it's a bit of a harder sell than kind of, you know, if you've got all of it and you're giving up and, and you can just make the decision to just give up a bit of your own equity. Yeah. Yeah, and it's sort of the, I guess, the the benefit of, um, you know, the the model of business we have, which is a pretty slow growth um, business. We're 16 years mm. old now. Um, but, yeah, just being able to, to hold control of the business and not be... You know, I'm, I'm sure it can be great answering to investors because, you know, they drive you to do well, but, um, yeah, we haven't had to deal with that. So, yeah, hopefully hopefully we're making the right decisions, though, I guess. So. Mm. What do you think about, like, 
um, breweries like New Belgium and that sort of thing who went 100% ESOP? Um, I don't know enough about how they did it and what they did. The only example I, I know of that went that way or is going that way was in Australia, was an Australian company I only learned about a week or two ago. And they had a scheme where they, um, it's a different scheme again because these can be any way you want it. So basically if you work there, you you gain a, a share of the business and the aim is that the, the business will be 100% employee owned. Um, at the moment, they have a model where if you work there, you're you're a shareholder in the business. If you leave, you're not a shareholder in the business. And the, the return you get is the dividend. You don't get share value. You just are an employee there and you get a, a shared benefit. And the way they were running it at the moment was 20, 25% of profits were divided amongst the shareholders of the business. Um, and I think another 25% of profit was used to buy the business for... The tr- there was a trust that ho- held the shares and the other 25% of profit was used to buy the business back off the uh, founders of the business. Mm, mm. But the founders are leveraging themselves out like New, Bil- New Belgium. Um, but each year there- there's a percentage of profit that goes into dividend or returns for the, for the employees who are owners of the business. And then the other part and, and the the owners of the business are treated as employees as well, but then they get this other portion that slowly pays them back at the value of the business. I don't know the mechanism, but I assume the as a business grows and is successful, the value also goes up. Um, so there's you know revenue in there, rightly so, for the founders of the business to do extremely well out of it. But their plan is to keep going down that track until the business is 100% employee-owned. So that means the founders have been paid out by the trust and then people that work there will all share in the profitability of the business over time. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a that's a pretty brave model. Um, very different business. It was a um, uh, oh, it's a really different kind of. They're not a manufacturing business, so quite different to you know a brewery and fast moving consumer goods and mm. complex. Mm. And it's that. potentially potentially problematic too because you don't you don't really necessarily want the founders to be cashing out their shares you kind of want them i mean unless they're kind of getting to the end of their run well no i think they saw the strength in the the strength of this was that sure the founders can be there and and advise them but they just want to be employees as well Mm. um but it's the employees that that have the power and you know of the business in which they they work i'm sure as because new belgium like the, the employees clearly didn't decide to sell that business, right? Like like the control of the business must still the, be like who, who made those decisions. Yeah. I, I don't know enough about how it all worked, but I think maybe I, I thought there was something it was in it was definitely employee owned and the business the business's performance forced the sale of the business, as far as I understand it. Mm. So I guess I guess the still that was the only way otherwise they all sunk with the ship. Right, it, oh, it was actually kind of going down type type thing. That's that's how I don't know the details. I have a look into it, but that was in the back of my mind. As mm. you know, and who knows that could happen in a normal company, or it could happen in. I think it's easy to say, oh, there was a company that was employee share owned, and they sold. You know, the the business failed because you know it, it, there's a number of reasons why a business failed. It could have failed under under you know a, 
a single owner rather than oh yeah no my point wasn't that the employee ownership caused the failure my, my point was more that the employee ownership doesn't necessarily mean control yeah i i can't imagine how they structured decision making in a business like that except that you know i, I guess it's how it's done in 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 businesses where we're a board of directors are making decisions for the business yeah. and then and then you have your your structure of hierarchy under that and that's how business runs so mm. you know i've never been part of that realm and i don't understand how it works so um, yeah I'd, I'd be interested in knowing because because with like with a normal company your shareholding dictates whether you can say be, you have. be a director or employer director yep and and even if employees own 100 percent, you're still not going to have equal shareholding across all employees so you're going to have some, but a, but a share would be worth a vote. So when decisions were made, so obviously, and but I doubt any one person had the controlling share. Maybe I'm wrong, but in that business, mm. yeah, you know, where that where their vote swung everything. Um, but yeah, I don't know how they gain shares or how that all worked. Yeah. And mm. and what are you um what are you excited about now that you you've done this? Uh, I, I think I'm just genuinely excited in, in seeing employees realise the ownership in the business and see them driven to make decisions like it's their own thing, like the piece of equipment they're using is something they own. Um, you know, we have a really good team of people um, that do the right thing 99.9% .9 of the time. Um, but I really, you know, anyone knows the owner of a business you know, they, they say no one can do it as well as the owner of a business. So um, I don't want them to not be sleeping at night, but it's, you know, hopefully they take on a bit of that, um, that employer, uh, sorry, that business ownership that when you go home, you might have a th think about oh, what, you've, what you've done today and what's still in the tank and should I go in and check the temperature because I wasn't sure about something like that rather than, you know, here, our, our production team, half of them finish at 3 p.m. You know, rather than 3 p.m., I'm checked out. I'm not thinking about anything until I walk through the door tomorrow. So mm. I think I'm, I'm excited about people like that. Um, you know, people taking on that, that, I guess, mantle, that just wearing that ownership hat. Um, the, there was with one of our um, sales reps the other day, um, we, we had this call and, and discussed the employee share plan because they couldn't be with us um, when we launched it at the venue. So the interstate shareholders and, and um, one of them asked, hey, how can, I, how can I sell this? Like, does it work for me in terms of sales when I go in to sell beer? You know, how do I talk to people about this employee share scheme and could it help me get an edge in a sale? And, I, I, you know, I said to, to him, well, you can just go into the, the bottle shop or the bar and say, hey, my name's John Doe and uh, I'm one of the owners of Bridge Road Brewers. Yeah. Um, you know, that that's what I want people to think and, and they're welcome to say that because they are one of the owners. Mm. And that might bring up a, um, a really interesting conversation and might make them a sale. Um, hopefully it makes them a sale, but hopefully they do feel like they're one of the owners and, you know, I think that would be a nice thing to say, you know, when you, when you go in to introduce yourself rather than I'm, I'm the sales rep. And say I'm one of the owners for Bridge Road Brewers. Mm. My mm. job is selling beer, you know. Yeah. And what about from edge with staff too? Just just yeah. from from people wanting to work there, but not just not wanting to leave, but also yeah, wanting to, to attracting staff. Yeah. yeah. Do you, Do you think there'll be some 
change in per- perception from consumers as well? I guess it depends how many consumers learn about it um, and that that will depend on how well we tell the story. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm sure people who, who already are consumers of Bridge Road will, will really get behind it. Um, you know, we've put out a media release and some beer media's picked it up. So I imagine news within the bubble that we live in will spread quickly and people mm. will know about this before long. Um, it's just the question of uh, how we can, you know, if we feel we need to use this as a, as a marketing piece, how we can communicate that to a broader audience outside of the bubble. Because before, you know, things that happen in craft beer spread pretty well. Um, you know, I, I hope Crafty Pint will do something. I don't know, Brews News are going to, to um, ask some questions about it. So within the industry, anyone that's got their finger on the pulse will know about it. Um, and then, you know, craft beer consumers that, that engage at that level um, will find out about it and probably hopefully find it as a, you know, a value they align with or an idea they align with. Um, the real real challenge would be, you know, most people outside of the bubble have never heard of Bridge Road Brewers, mm. um, so they've got to hear of us and then find out that we're employee-owned. So um, I'm not naive about uh, how small and how, how small we are and how small our reach is. It's good. It's positive nice. news, mate. Yeah, very cool. Um, before you go, we've got yeah. a question. We've got a Facebook group with 12 members and we've asked them, if they want to ask you a question and they've asked this and I've never been to your brewery. So hopefully this makes sense to you. Um, this question's from Chris Wood. Uh, he's got a serious question and a not so serious question. The serious question is I'd love to know more about the old brewing system in brackets, the shed one. Where did you get it from? How did you, uh, how did it go? Do you still have it? Was it tricky to use in comparison to the new setup? Does that make sense? Yeah. So um, where did I get it? So, I started the brewery in 2005 and in the old shed was um, we had a hundred square meter shed and had a, a, a brew house and a bar and a little bottling line in that shed with a small garden out the front, um, like a garage brewery, I guess, but commercial. Um, and that was a 10 hex system. And I purchased that um, from a, a brewery that had opened and, and closed in Panola in South Australia. It was called Lawrence Victor Estate. Um, so I purchased it in 04 um, and then spent a year commissioning it. Um, I was 24 when I was commissioning it. So uh, <laughs> it, it took me a year. I was a plumber and electrician and uh, and trying to build a brewery. Um, Is that the old wooden clad one? Yeah, that's the one. Um, and then we had that running for a year at that location and then we moved to our current lo- location and... I'm going to say we, we ran it for another three or four years, maybe even longer than that, that same system, and then expanded with um, we had a, a flip-top lid, fermenters, um, and then we got some uni tanks that were double capacity, so 25-heck uni, uni tanks. Um, and then we up, that upgraded to the, the brew kit we have now, which is a 25-heck system. I then sold the, that equipment. So that, that came to Panola secondhand from somewhere in New Zealand. And some of the tanks still had like rum and coke in them and stuff. It had some random. So they'd imported the tanks full of rum and coke and then they'd sat in Panola and then they came to us and I'm like, what's in this tank? And it was like some Kiwi rum and coke or something. It was random. Um, And then, uh, then we sold that equipment on to New England Brewery in Urella in New South Wales. Yeah. And I went and did the first brew with them um, at that that brewery. Um, We did a, a dark beer. Um, 
And they just got rid of the last tank from that system to another. If you look on their Insta feed, they did a post about it two weeks ago. Um, yeah, so really. that stain, stainless has done so many litres of beer. I couldn't imagine all of New England stuff, you know, f- at least five years of Bridge Road, you know, smashing it out of that, that equipment. Um, yeah, so does that answer all the question where it went? I, I love it's it when you get else. some... Um... Uh, some history in the uh, in the equipment when it goes from place to mm. place and that sort of thing. Oh, here Wait, we go. Do you, do it you says know on... where it started originally? How, how old it was? Did you I don't know where in New Zealand it came yeah. from. It was like converted dairy equipment. I think there was someone doing, like actually making brewing equipment in New Zealand out, out of um, dairy equipment. Wow. So they said here on their Instagram, last week we said goodbye to our last single batch open top fermenter. The ex-Bridge Road Brewers, then to Urala, we're pumped that the fermenter will be used by Glen Gowrie Distillery in Glen Innes to ferment wash at the distillery. Check the gins these guys make and drop into the distillery. There you go. Very cool. So I don't know if they've still got the brew kit, um, but, yeah, that was one of the fermenters. Right, and the last very, piece very of that cool. question, was it tricky to use in comparison to the new setup? Oh, uh, no, you just need a bit more muscle. It's all the same. You had to mash in by hand. Yeah. Um, you had to put duct tape in the in the mash tun every day. Um, there was a few what? gaps in it. So fresh duct tape uh, each day before mashing or each night as you set up. <laughs> um, yeah, was oh, it, no. So those that know the technical ins and outs of, of brewing, there was no hot liquor tank. You had to... There was a timer system like a dial with pins in it. You set the actual time and the time you wanted the six elements in the mat, in the kettle to turn on um, yeah. and to turn off. And so you'd fill the kettle with cold water, set the timer, go to bed and pray that you got it right. Um, in the morning, you would mash in out of the kettle. Um, so have your, your strike yeah. water temp in the kettle. Mm-hmm. Um, mash in. Then uh, as soon as you finish mashing in, you top up the kettle put the elements on full and get the sparge water up to about 80 degrees. And then I had an insulated tank. So the hot liquor tank was insulated. So pump all that water into the HLT. And then as soon as that was done, you would you would have already started um, recirking the mash tun. And then you would transfer the wort into the kettle as soon as you got the hot liquor out. And then you would sparge from the hot liquor tank um, back over the top of the mash. Mm. So yeah, I guess it was tricky, but you know, that sounds very familiar, very similar, very similar to what we do at a, the Tate Brewery over at the Queensland Brew Lab. They don't have a hot liquor tank there. Yep, and that's exactly what we do. We heat the strike liquor in the kettle, transfer some across, top it up, heat it again. We'll transfer some off for sparge, and then yep. the rest will be used to hot stairs the wort line. Yep, same deal. Hot liquor tank. Yeah. Do need a hot liquor tank. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. The bigger the we better. Just got a, we just got a second HLT that we're commissioning at the moment. I don't. I don't think any brewer would complain for having a larger hot liquor tank than the one that yeah. we've currently got. <laughs> yeah, well, we've got a forty heck one, and we've just got another thirty heck to supplement the forty heck. <laughs> um, and the second part, the not so serious part, was what was the first beer you ever drank? How old were you? You don't have to answer that if you don't want to. Um, and what did you think of it? I don't. I don't know what my first, I won't tell you too much, but I was first drunk when I was 11. Oh, was bloody hell. Um, yeah. Um, I, I, I don't think I know what the first, 
beer I drank was. I remember parties. I remember um, drinking uh, whatever was cheapest um, when I was probably 16 or so and probably not enjoying those beers at all. Mm. Um, so there would have been a mix of Melbourne Bitter, VB, and that's probably about it. Um, and, the, you know, the trying different beers would be trying each of those beers in uh, King Brown versus Stubby versus Can. Um, yeah, and, and definitely I, I've had that conversation many times before. I don't, I don't recall, um, I haven't met anyone who said, oh, the first, you know, mainstream lager I had when I was 15 or 16 was an amazing flavour experience. It's kind of like something that you you learn to love. So that's my honest answer for that. I had, a pretty, I had a pretty good first beer. I think it was my first beer. We went down on holidays down to um, somewhere around Jindabyne or something in New South Wales. And I think I was like 14 or 15. I remember lying out on the grass and dad gave us a beer. It was a Carlton Cold. And I just thought it was the coolest. I think I, I hadn't drunk beer like with my friends or anything. And I just thought it was the coolest thing to be drinking a beer with dad. So it was a good experience. But and then you enjoyed actually, it. Yeah, I don't think I actually liked the taste of the liquid, but I kind of enjoyed the experience. Yeah, you learned to love it. Yeah. That, that reminds me, yeah, definitely Carlton Cold and Han Ice. Han Ice, yeah. I remember oh, that. Yeah. God, I used to give you such a headache. Mm. What was your first beer, Hambo? VB. Yeah. So I, I started drinking beer when I was in um, <clears throat> university. I lived on campus at the college, Teachers College at Macravat, Griffith University. And uh, I didn't drink beer. I drank West Coast coolers. Oh, wow. And, um, and, and you only very... started drinking at uni? Yes. Wow. Yeah. And um, so the, the corridor that I was living in on the college there was a very blokey um, co- corridor. And then we did this mystery bus tour thing up to the Sunshine Coast um, as part of an O-week thing um, or some, something mid-semester or something like that. And one of the, the RA of the corridor and I was drinking West Coast Cooler and he, he takes the West Coast Cooler out of my hand, puts a VB stubby in, in, in my hand and said, he goes, you're drinking this from now on. And that's how I started drinking beer. And did you like it? Didn't you have a choice. I didn't have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, you'll like it. You'll shut up and you'll like it. Yeah. I remember liking and- before we got into craft beer, I remember liking 4X Gold. Like we'd take the boat out. And we'd drink because it's only mid strength. You'd kind of be able to drink most of the day, and um, I remember enjoying that. I, I don't know if I like the flavour. I think I think you know you just kind of enjoy the moment or having a forex gold at the cricket. Mm. Yeah, and uh, I'm proud that you uh, you started drinking at uni. I remember uh, celebrating my 18th birthday at a pub that I've been drinking at for two years, and I was surprised <laughs> that it was uh, <laughs> it was actually my birthday. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, I tried to be a good boy when I yep. was a teenager, and before I went to uni, I drank a bit of bourbon um, before I started at university, and that did not end well. Yeah, I can imagine. The, you probably don't drink twenty twenty dollar bottle of blackjack bourbon. That, oh, no, remember that first time that you get really hammered, that you black out, get blackout yes. drunk. Mm. Right, that was bourbon for me, and it took I a did. very very long time for me to enjoy bourbon again. Yeah, there needs back to be some. It's like sixty dollars a bottle or something. Ed, educational um, class at high school where they 
teach you moderation or something like that. <laughs> oh, look, you know, that's a whole different subject. It's like, you know, like in, in Europe, I mean, you just spent, you know, a year in Europe and that sort of thing. Drinking culture is very, very different there. You know, it's sort of like, I think here it's because when you're underage, it's taboo. And so therefore it's a reverse psychology. You know, kids want to drink alcohol because it is taboo. Yeah, and, and, I, and then when they get when they finally become oh you're legal, they cut sick. You know, you go crazy. I, I think there's a lot to be said with the European culture of um, allowing. Not only is it not taboo, you're allowing um, youth to drink under supervision. So mm. my youth was if you wanted to drink, you had to sneak out and drink in the park, and you drank as much as you could in a short amount of time, and ended up like you're talking about. Mm. Um, and then my experience in, in Europe working in bars many years ago was those kids that age just came to the pub and if they had too much and started being a bit of a dickhead, then they'd quickly be told, hey, you need to calm down and you're not getting another beer, you'll have this. Um, so that drinking was done under supervision of, like we supervise adults in Australia. You know, RSA is the onus is on the bartender um, rather than the person who's um, drinking too much, even though they're a fully grown adult. Um, mm. I think there's a lot to be said about allowing that to happen in a, in a place where, where someone's looking after you rather than in the park, you know, where you, where no one is controlling what you're doing. Mm. Mm. I'm anyway, not looking forward to having to happen to deal with this. My kid's about to turn 14. <laughs> Move to Austria. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Awesome. All right. That was great. Oh, Cheers for no that. Worries. Oh, wait. What, where, where can we get the, um, I, want, I want to try that alcohol-free beer. Where's the best place to get that in Queensland? Oh, um, maybe hit me up on Insta and I'll, I'll hit up, um, or if you look up Bridge Road Queensland on Insta yeah. and, um, and, and give him a question, he'll tell you where to find it. Um, can there's you some sell it on your site? I'll just buy it yeah, we sell it on our site, and there's some dance stores that's, that stock it in Queensland as well. We send it up mm. there. Um, plenty of independent stores should have it, and I saw an order. Sometimes I see orders come through, and I saw an order for some going to the Coles DC in, in Brisbane, so there's some. Yeah, right. That's a first Coles choice, like a land or something. Yeah. Good sellers. Yep. Nice. I'll get yeah, one yeah. of the reps to pick me up some. I'm keen to try it. Yep. Yeah, it's... It's good. I actually did a mountain bike photo shoot this morning, so I had my first free time before 9 a.m. <laughs> nice. That's the way. <laughs> awesome, mate. Thanks heaps for joining us this evening. Uh, really appreciate it. Hey? Thanks for yeah, sharing cool. your story as well. Yeah. No worries. Sorry, I haven't I haven't seen your podcast before. Um, or you can, listen, you listen. can join our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash boss and the brewer. Yep. If, if you like memes and shit posting yeah there's not much there's not much quality in there i don't know if i'd recommend joining <laughs> you can always so leave is it all through is this all running through facebook is that where no no you, you can you can get the podcast on uh, itunes stitcher spotify yep. everywhere youtube Google podcasts youtube yep. we're on youtube as well yeah i'll check me out yeah check you out yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. right, thanks for your time i look forward to seeing one or both of you for a beer at some time i've been stuck oh, mate. for a long time yeah. absolutely looking forward to it mate yep. sounds good and best yeah. of luck with the employee share stuff i hope it works out the, the way you hope yeah yeah, yeah. stay tuned um if it all goes pear shape um 
you probably won't know about it, but uh, <laughs> hopefully, if you see some see some more news about how we how we roll it out further, and um, yeah, and hopefully we can share. You know, the, the hopefully they're we're learning something, and I'm sure other businesses. You know, as you mentioned, Dan, you've, you've thought about this model before. Um, hopefully, there's some learnings that we can share with other businesses to do the same. Hundred percent. Yeah. Awesome. Cheers, Bill. Have a good night, guys. Cheers, guys. Hey, Hendo. Wait, what have I just done? I'm still here. I'm still here. I I think I pressed report. I better not report anything. Don't report him. No. (laughs) He's still recording. Yeah, yeah. No, I was I was just gonna make sure you didn't leave as well, but yeah. Um do you want to go through some other topics or Joe? That's that's pretty decent for an episode, isn't it? That's pretty decent. I like it. We start with a little bit of banter, not going too long, and go on to the guests and that, and yeah, works out pretty good. Nice. Well, we had a couple of other topics, but we can save them, save them for next week. And and I'm not sure if we're going to have a guest next week. So yeah, it's good. He's a, he's a lovely guy, isn't he? I hope it works out well. That's oh, amazing. Him. Yeah, it's a it's a big big risk, you know, to 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 sort of you know dilute your own or you know sell your own shares in your own business that you really struggled to create and build mm. and that sort of thing and all of a sudden make your employees shareholders it's a real leap of faith yeah yeah it's a real leap of faith it's amazing and i really hope it goes really well for for for, for ben maria and, and the bridge road team yes likewise um oh, well, why don't we just go through a couple of indies results since this won't really be news next week yeah go on then um so blaster won champion beer which is awesome mm. Those guys have been crushing it. They're, they're really switched Very, on, those guys. They're doing yeah, a really yeah. good job. Stomping Ground won Champion Large Brewery. They've also been doing really well. Stompo is good. Make good beers. Moffat good Beach, there too. Moffat Beach win every award. Moffs. Every time. Always. <laughs> it's amazing. They do so well. And yeah. um, really happy for, for Matty Shaz and the team. They're just such a great bunch of people. Um the, the beers are excellent, you know, and you got to think about this as well from, from a brewer's perspective. That brewery where those beers came out of, it's less than 12 months old and the first 12 months of owning it after you commission a brewery is shit. Mm. You're dialing everything in, beer's going down the drain, you're putting your systems in place and all that sort of stuff. If you can pull, pull out some awards and even some trophies in your first 12 months, just phenomenal. Same goes for Matic as well. Yeah, well, I think the I think Muffet might have won. What was the last one they won? Did they win the Queensland Trophy as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they just well. they just consistently do really well. Only months after they'd commissioned it, so yeah, that's yeah. right. Maddock yeah. did very well. I mean, they they pulled some beers that their beers come from out of their old brew because their their new brewery only just got commissioned. Mm. But two gold medals and two silvers, and yeah. um, it's an amazing result. And 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 Jimmy and Annalise have just done. A great job with the new venue. I was there yesterday, and um, and um, beers are awesome. Yeah, they did they did really well. Uh, Precinct got a gold medal as well, which was cool. Yep. Jazz are there, and so did um, I think Cuzzy up at Easy Times when we Cuzzy Cuzzy got a we got were. a gold medal for uh, I think it was what to be sour peachy peach yeah. sour I think it was or something. Yes, very good. Still all right. Awesome. All right. Um, let's leave it there. That was good. Good chat, mate. Um, next week, well, we I've had this in the in the list of things to talk about for a while. Is, is NFT beers? Mm. Um, and today Budweiser put an announcement out 
saying that they're going to, they've just launched an NFT beer. So they've beaten me to it, but maybe we can talk about that next week. I need to find out what an NFT is. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll talk about that next week, unless something else comes up that's that's more pressing. But this is yeah. the third week in a row we've shelved it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. All right. <laughs> See you next you week, mate. All right, get well soon. I hope your leg gets sorted out and you're good to go. Thanks, mate. I'll try not to bleed everywhere um, and not like, not look like Dexter. Yeah, like... yeah, yeah. American psycho. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See you, mate. Cheers, legends.